common values, common goals, common sense. The Common Sense Podcast with Semi Bird. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to you. I hope you had a great holiday with family. I'm sure we, you ate as much as I did, which is too much, uh, especially at my age and my girth. Um, my winter weight tends to stick around all year long, but different podcasts on that one. We won't go there. Um, it looks like everything's working. We have our text up. I see we have some friends online here. Uh, Dee and Delmar, good to see you guys, and hopefully we'll have more joining us. So today's podcast is going to be on law and order and public safety. This is one of the most pressing issues in Washington State, nationwide, but specifically in Washington State, and I'll tell you why. Here's where we're at in Washington State, and you've heard these statistics. You maybe have heard me say it to you before. You know, in terms of property crime, we're up 73%. Rape is up 51%. And just the fact that that disgusting word came over my lips to say that to you, right? That that disgusting uh, crime, up 51%. Murder is up 96%. And according to the FBI, according to the FBI, compare... Washington State to the national average on violent crime. The national average on violent crime is actually dipping lower. And, and the, the FBI measures it at approximately um, uh, a percentage per 100,000. And so where we're at right now nationally, it's, it's 380.7. And Washington State is 375.6, give or take a point. But I think I'm pretty much on point. And you're thinking, well, good, we're below national average. So here's the deal. Stay with me, my little visualization here, my my chart. National average is like this. Washington State is going like this. And here's the trajectory, the trend. I hope you guys can see this. We are literally going like this. And in fact, to, to, to demonstrate that statistically, last year, 2022, our murder rate was that we were like 394 murders last year. That's a 17% increase over the previous year. It's out of control. Crime in Washington State's out of control. And last I checked, auto theft. We were number three in the nation. I recently heard we've jumped up to number two in the nation. Another staggering statistic. You may not know this. Write it down. remember, Remember it. Staffing for our law enforcement officers. Over the last 13 years, we have been the worst in the nation for law enforcement officer staffing. The worst in the nation. So essentially, out of all the states in the nation, we have the lowest amount of law officers, law enforcement officers per capita. I think it's like 1.12 officers per thousand citizens. Maybe you can see that correlation. And here's where we're at right now. It's continuing to get worse. So the number is getting worse. We have less people wanting to be law enforcement officers in Washington State than ever before. And as we talk about my solutions or my thoughts, and I'm going to listen to you, I'm going to look at your, your questions here in a minute, and we have some that came in. As we talk about this, I want you to keep these statistics in mind. I want you to consider what you're seeing right now in the streets. And I want you to understand something. 
again, you're going to hear me say this over and over again. This is not political. This should be common sense. And as uh, um, someone once said, and I, I saw this, this plot that I used to have up, common sense is a flower that does not always grow in everyone's garden, unfortunately. So we're going to put a common sense push on this. Common sense solutions, because that's exactly what we need. We need to fix this mess because people are dying. And this has a correlative effect on everything else that happens in Washington State. And I don't want to sound like a science geek, but some of you know I kind of go there. Here's what I mean by that. Let's just say we have this vision. I have a vision that Washington State will be the tourist capital this side of the Mississippi. And that's real. That's legitimate. We will be the tourist capital this side of the Mississippi. But how can we be the tourist capital this side of the Mississippi? I mean, I can see how we can. The most beautiful state in the nation. You have eastern Washington, central Washington, western Washington. You have the Cascades. You have great hunting. We're going to fix that. Hunters and anglers, I know what's going on with the commission. North American model for wildlife conservation. I got you. <laughs> best hunting, best fishing, best geography. We're a port state. We have beautiful cultures as part of our heritage, our, our Native American culture, our Asian culture, our Hispanic, I mean, all cultures, our African culture. I mean, Washington State is beautiful. There is no reason why we are not already the tourist capital, I would say, of the nation. But how can it be when crime's out of control? Our own citizens don't even go back to Seattle like we used to go over there, go down to the Pipe Lakes Market, you know, get a hotel, stay overnight, and, and, and then go down, get some fish and chips, walk along the, the, the wharf with, with our, our children. We don't do that anymore, and we live here. This is, this, that's the Emerald City. This is, that's where I was raised. You know, as a, as, a, as a little boy growing up, well, when I was older, my best friend Doug and I, we used to take bike trips down there, and, and Mom would come and pick us up, and we'd go back home. But we would bike ride a whole day trip. You don't do that anymore. It's too dangerous. We even hesitate to drive our car to Walmart for fear, A, we're going to get our catalytic converter stolen, or we're going to get our car stolen, or we're going to get mugged, raped. You get it. So how can we do this if we can't even do this? We have to get crime under control. So let's talk about the fact that we have our law enforcement officers, our heroes, risking everything. Every morning, every night, every afternoon, depending on which shift they're working, they get up, they put their badge on, they put their weapon on, and they go to work to protect and to serve the citizens of Washington State, their communities, many of them from that community. But then they do their job. But how is our system working for them in terms of our prosecutors, our judges, where you have this legal process, what we call prosecutorial discretion, where prosecutors can say, well, I'm either going to prosecute or I'm not going to prosecute it, right? Or we're going to make a deal, maybe diversion, or we say, well, this is a young person, so we're, you know, we're, going, to, we're going to give her a break. Or oh, the latest and greatest, oh, th this is a minority. This is a person of color. We're going to give a pass, right? Equity. We're not going to... This is ridiculous. We're all human beings. We're all Americans. We're not playing that stuff anymore. Accountability. 
And our prosecutors and our judges need to do their job and honor their oath to enforce the rule of law. And, and it, I mean this with complete respect. Some of the most educated people on the planet. And one of my dearest friends is a prosecutor in my own county. I'm, I don't, I don't want to drop names. I'll just say Eric. Good man. Great man. We just got him elected. And when I say we, I just voted for him. <laughs> he earned all that. Beautiful family. And this is one of the greatest men that you can have as a prosecutor. I know him personally. He's one of the most fair-minded people. Like many others, he doesn't do that job with any kind of a political spin. We all have our different values, but he doesn't do that. And a lot of my friends who are sheriff and law enforcement officers, same thing. I may have my values, but when I do my job, I, I don't care what your politics is. I'm here to do my job. And believe it or not, that's this knucklehead right here. It's not about politics. It's about the people you serve. It's a concept we need to get our heads around. But when it comes to our prosecutors and our judges, my friends, you need to start doing the right thing and enforcing the rule of law. We need to start holding criminals accountable for their actions because they are infringing upon the rights of law-abiding citizens. And so I, as governor, will hold you accountable one way or another. And I mean that with respect, if it's deserved. And we start by saying we're going to keep taps by ranking, public safety ranking, because if a law enforcement officer brings someone in rightfully, legally, and that person goes before a prosecutor, and that prosecutor deems this case is worth prosecuting, and he goes before a judge, and a judge releases that person, that person goes back out, reoffends, causes harm, shouldn't that judge be held accountable? Well, it starts by a public safety rating because that judge just compromised public safety because that person just reoffended. The same thing with a prosecutor, catch and release their own recognizance where they should be in jail, not released because of their list of offenses, of violent crimes. We have to get a handle of this. And if folks don't like that, I'll listen to you. But the statistics speak for themselves. There's always, there's always things to consider. People being in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's always things to consider. I'm just saying, for those repeat offenders who have no regards for other people's lives, their livelihoods, we must hold them accountable. The next thing is, as in other states, if you are failing to honor your oath of office and enforcing the rule of law, would you not be in contradiction of your oath and therefore liable in some form or fashion, legally, lawfully liable? So why would we not look for a legal justification to have you removed from office if you refuse to do your job. When it comes to the lives of citizens, ask yourself this, what do you expect of your governor? What do you expect of your attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer of the state? That's a whole another discussion. I'm not gonna go there right now. That's a separate elected office, but you know where I'm going with this. But as your governor, it is my job to protect the citizens of the state. I work for you, I serve you, it goes without saying, my job is to bring forward and ensure that the laws that I approve are protecting you. When you have out of control crime and you have an administration that's violated your second amendment rights, passing an assault weapons ban, a, a mad capacity ban, which is unconstitutional. I, I'm not taking a side. 
I'm giving you a very unbiased read on this. And it's not my opinion. Judge Benavides from the Ninth Circuit, which even though there's a case in California that just came back from the Supreme Court, and Judge Benavides from the Ninth Circuit, we, we are also in the Ninth Circuit. Judge Benavides said it was unconstitutional. Our law is also unconstitutional. Gators Guns, Bob Ferguson is going after Gators Guns in Southwest Washington. Magazine capacity. It's already been deemed in California as unconstitutional, but it's happening in Washington State. Do you see the, how that is not common sense? How can we be in the Ninth Circuit and California, that law, similar to ours, pretty much the same, the judge in the Ninth Circuit that has jurisdiction down there says this is unconstitutional. But yet, our attorney general is going after this small business and ruining their lives. So we need to take action to ensure our system works. That's just one start. Let's talk about our law enforcement officers. I already said they're understaffed, 100% understaffed, the lowest in the nation. That is an affront to everything that we would call common sense. We need to recruit. We certainly need to retain. But you have to think of that cause and effect again. Who would want to work in law enforcement? I was talking to a friend of mine, dear friend. He's a state patrol man today. We had a long conversation. He took time to, to speak with me. He knew we were going to do this, and, and he wanted to give me um, some insight because that's what I do. I listen to the subject matter experts, and we were going over a few things, and, and he was just reminding me, Simi, we used to have like 600 applications consistently. Now we get like 60. This is huge. And if you go into your local law enforcement offices and ask them how recruitment and retention is, you're going to see the same thing. It's dropping off. Why? Here's a few things. Because I've been doing ride-alongs, and I've been talking to our heroes in uniform. And here's what I've learned from them and what I already know to be true. Motivation's down. Why? Because when you're not appreciated, when you're disrespected, when you're marginalized, but yet you take a job to protect and serve. You take a job where you put yourself on the line to serve and to protect the citizens of your own community that you live and reside in. But you're treated like dirt and you're looked down upon and you're putting your life on the line. And then if something goes wrong, instead of innocent until proven guilty, which again, the rule of law, you're guilty until proven innocent. And even if you're proven innocent and you're clear to go back to work, go back on patrol, that shadow hangs upon you. And because they're backlogged, they won't close that out. It's almost like the investigation is still open, although it kind of has been closed, but it's not closed. You were released to go back, which means you were found innocent out of whatever, or you were cleared to say that you did nothing wrong. And so you can go back to work to do your job. But this shadow is hanging over you. You see what's wrong with the system. And again, I'm not trying to target anybody. I'm not trying to be that revolutionary. I'm speaking truth and common sense. And this doesn't come from one officer or one state patrolman or one detective. This comes from many. This is what we call validating your research. So morale is down. We must do better. A call goes sideways. 
and we're going to put their entire life in the line, their livelihood in the line, the, the welfare of their family in the line. We must do better. As governor, let me just say this. I will pro proclaim my first day in office. I think we should sign a pact with our law enforcement officials to honor them. A resolution of some sort to say that we do honor them. We respect them as those heroes in the front line, those guardians at the gate that protects our citizens and our communities and that we value them. And what's implied in this is simply this. If as a law enforcement officer, you abuse your power, you be held accountable. But what people don't realize is that already happens within the law enforcement community. This is not like, I'm not gonna label other states. This is not like the 60s Alabama or something like that anymore, folks. It's like smoking in an airplane. It's uncool, you just don't do it anymore, it's not allowed. It, it just doesn't, you don't see it like that. We need to do better. We need to value our law enforcement officers. So here's another thing I wanna do. Universal reciprocity when it comes to certifying of our law enforcement officials. So we have two ways to become a law enforcement. One, lateral transfer, which means if you're in Euphreda and you're a certified peace officer, you got into the Criminal Justice Training Commission, got into the police academy, you're a cop in Euphreda, you're, you can be a police officer in Seattle. Lateral transfer. That's the easiest way to go. Or you go in through the academy. You apply to a city police officer, police um, uh, department, you get hired, or county office, right, become a deputy, you get hired, fish and wildlife, I think uh, uh, used to be uh, gaming, same thing, you go to the academy, you graduate, you go back out to your, your department, get with your FTO, field training officer, certain amount of time, then you're on your own, right, that's the process, lateral transfer is the most easiest, but we don't have enough, so what we need to do is we need to recruit from outside of our state. And so what we should start doing is looking at places like Montana, right? Wyoming, Florida, Kentucky, any other state. And then we need to incentivize that with bonuses. And yes, this will be a budget. Yes, this will be a budget. And I'll talk to you about budgets towards the end of some of my solutions. Recruitment and retention. This is a standard practice within any industry, any organization. It is worth the investment. Well, you tell me, is it worth the investment to investment in law, to invest in law enforcement officers to protect and to serve our communities? Even if we weren't living in a lawless state, I would say, yes, it is. But under the conditions, you're darn right we need to. Under the conditions, we are last in the nation. We are short. We need to plus that up. So universal reciprocity. And here's how the plus on this is, is going to work. Last year, one of the best laws that was passed is, is a compact we did for nursing, which says the same concept. It's like universal reciprocity. So a nurse from Alabama or a nurse from Texas can come to Washington State, and we're going to expedite that license transfer for nurses. And I'll have this discussion when we do our podcast on mental health and addiction. And by the way, my law in order Solutions with Actions is on our website, so you can see it there. My Mental Health and Addiction, it's on our website, so you can see it there. We're going to take that compact, and I want to grow it, because it's working great for our nursing practitioners. We need to have that compact with mental health professionals, drug and addiction treatment professionals, law enforcement 
professional. You see what we, we're gonna do? We need to plus up these professionals that we need in Washington State to backfill, to rebuild our infrastructure that is lacking. There's no time for blame. There's time for action. Solutions with action. So we're gonna plus up our law enforcement. We're gonna fill that gap. We're gonna support them. We're gonna value them. We're gonna reward them. And then the next thing we need to do is we need to, we need to implement them into the community in a different way. And here's what I mean by that. And I know you're gonna say, Simi, we're already doing this. And that's true, we already are, somewhat. We have our SRO, our school resource officers. But some school districts are counting them out. Here's what they are, folks, if you're not tracking with this. This is a deputy, this is a, law, a police officer, this is a law enforcement official who through a program is a permanent fixture in our schools, which is great. Number one, you get school safety, which we need for our babies, right? School safety. And think about this. As a child is growing up, you see that amazing role model in your schools. That child is growing up knowing that those law enforcement professionals are there for them. They're a role model. And maybe as a mentor, that child is learning that that law enforcement officer is there to protect and serve. That law enforcement officer is someone to respect, is someone that you can revere, just like it was when I was a young man. So I will push forward policy to ensure that we have SROs in every elementary school, every middle school, and every high school so that we have school safety at all levels where our children, where your children are at. Mom, dad, I hope you appreciate that. Grandma, grandpa, guardians, I hope you appreciate that. That gives that community acclimation, that community bond, that community blending and relationship development. And some police officers are doing this already in certain communities, the beat cop, where they're walking beats. There's a gentleman who ran for Snohomish County Sheriff, Adam Fortney, a good man, a great man, um, someone I consider a friend, someone I supported from the very beginning, someone I support to this day, um, non-political, because Adam was the first one who said, hey, uh, politics, I, I'm here to serve the people. That's one of the first reasons why I jumped on board to endorse him. He's a good man. Adam Fortney was doing programs to bring youth into a new light, to help them understand to help rehabilitate youth. And I remember stories of young people would run into Adam when he was walking in a parade as he was campaigning and minority children as well as other, right? Adam didn't care. It wasn't about color. It wasn't It was about taking care of that child and leading them back into the light, letting them know that the community cared, that law enforcement was with them, right? And he, I remember a story about a young lady who says, do you remember me? I'm so-and-so. And he remembered her. I remembered hearing how people would call him and his lovely bride at old, old Dark 30 at night, and Adam would respond. I'm just saying, I'm not talking about the election or the outcome. I'm just saying that you have law enforcement officers out there, law enforcement leaders that are out there. I know. I've seen them. I've met with them. I'm endorsed by many of them who care about their community. We need more of that. We need more Adam Vortneys, right? I can give you a whole list of names of great sheriffs that are out there still serving, they're out there, folks. So we need to get that community policing going. We need to break that false narrative, right? That 
that there's something wrong with law enforcement officers, that they don't care, that they're there to target. No, they're not. That's, that's not how it works. And there are studies that have been done, by the way. And I can tell you about a Harvard study. Dr. Ronald did, a black Harvard professor. And this is after Black Lives Matter in Chicago and everything else. He did a study to answer the question, are law enforcement officers waking up saying, I'm going to go out and kill a minority today? And this black professor, revered, it's a, revered by the, the Harvard business, right? The, the empirical review board said, no, this is validated science. And the study came out and said, absolutely not. There's bias in every profession, but law enforcement officers don't set out to do that. That's not how they operate. So we're going to do better. There's a lot more to say with our law enforcement officers, but let's just roll into, we must repeal back to its original state, that non-pursuit nonsense. And I know they made an adjustment last year. It's not enough. It's still not enough. Even if you have a crime being committed in front of you right now, you still have to call in and get permission from a supervisor. And with a shortage, if it's on a holiday or a weekend, is that supervisor on duty? Think about the time that it's going to take. And you have something happening right now. So here's how it works. I was talking to a friend of mine, and again, this state patrolman. And he says, essentially, I shouldn't say this because I don't want anybody to get any ideas, but I'm going to say it. You put your lights on, put that siren on, and that law-abiding citizen pulls over. You get a ticket. You put your lights on, you put that siren on, that law-abiding, oh, that non-law-abiding citizen takes off. No ticket, because that's a non-pursuit scenario. How about what's happening in Thurston County? Another great sheriff, right? Um, I think it's Derek Sanders. Um, that young man, you already know, if you don't know, you should look up Sheriff Sanders, what he's doing in Thurston County. That young man's active. So I may get this wrong. Please don't scare me for this. But there's crimes where they were running their cars into the windows, right, through the doors of, of shops, retailers, right? Because we already know we have a problem with that. And that would have been a non-pursuit situation, right? By these standards, Sheriff Sanders says, our county is going to re-evaluate our interpretation within the parameters of the law. Because that is an assault. I could be off on this, but the reevaluation process, I'm correct on, I'm sure, and we will pursue those criminals. He took that initiative as a law enforcement leader to protect the citizens, those business owners in his community. We need more of that. But what we really need to do, what I need to do as governor of Washington State, I need to partner with our legislators. They need to understand, like me, they serve their constituents. Law and order is out of control in Washington State. We need to get it back. And if they're not willing to join me, I pray that they will. But if they're not, I will take executive action, if needed, to restore it. I will, if needed, to restore it. That'll be my second course of action. First, let's partner. Let's come together. Let's repeal those laws that hamstring our law enforcement officers. And then the next thing we need to do, folks, and I promise, guys, I will answer your questions. The next thing we need to do is we have a rampant problem with youth crime, not just in Washington State. It's nationwide. But if you have a youth crime happening, right, our law enforcement officers can't even initiate investigation without a, a full-on process. They, 
They are so hamstrung. This is why youth crime is out of control. There was something that was circulating on the internet earlier today. Well, actually, I think it was in our state news or city news where they, they call themselves, what, the Kia boys? These are young men, I think average age 13, driving stolen Kias, driving through school grounds on the west side, sticking out guns out the windows like it's the wild, wild west. Children are going through schools. Parents are concerned. A mother called in 911 crying, concerned for the, the life of her child, and she said, I was told I can't unenroll my child until the end of the year. I'm worried for my child. She was crying. And, and the key is why? Because they're easy to steal. And by the way, our attorney general's answer to this out of control lawlessness and us being so famous for being almost leading the charge in car theft is not to hold criminals accountable, but to sue the auto manufacturers for making it too easy to steal cars. Wow. That's a different mindset than I have because we're going to hold criminals accountable for their actions. And we're going to restore the civil liberties and the rights of our law-abiding citizens. And while we're on it, those Second Amendment rights as well. Because what we're doing is we are literally exposing our law-abiding citizens and what we already have. People are dying on the streets and we've taken away their ability to defend themselves. How does that make any sense whatsoever? You want to talk about a, a liability? Hear me again. 394 murders last year were breaking half-century records in Seattle. Our trajectory is about to blow by the national average for violent crime. And what does Washington State do? You disarm law-abiding citizens. Do you think criminals have any problem getting access to semi-automatic weapons, M4s, AKs? No, they do not. They're readily available, readily available. What's stopping them from going to another state and getting them and bringing them back? They, they don't stop to say, hey, look what I have, let me register. No, they don't. But it's we, the law-abiding citizens, that suffer because of this. No, we need to restore. We need to restore our constitutional rights. Article 1, Section 24 of the Washington State Constitution. And so... We talked about restoring those laws. I can talk about the Blake fix, which is not a fix when it comes to drug legalization. But I will tell you, if you're using hard drugs publicly, it shouldn't be just a gross misdemeanor because that was the tweak to the Blake fix, which wasn't a fix. And then they said, well, we're going to do away with diversion. So we're, we're lowering it because before it was like they just did away with it. You can just do drugs anywhere, hard drugs. We need to crack down on that because all you're doing is facilitating the use of heavy drugs. And you may have noticed we have an out-of-control mental health and addiction problem in Washington State, which needs to be fixed. And, and that'll be another podcast because I've written solutions on that. And I have solutions on that. So we need to address that. And I will propose legislation to make that, <laughs> to raise the penalty to that, at least a Class C. Now, when it comes to drug trafficking in Washington State, I, I, I want to say I took some heat on this one, uh, my, my, my task force that I talked about. I want to explain it to you because you deserve. Some of you asked me, so because they're saying, oh, yeah, another agency, right? You're going to grow government, right? You're supposed to be one of those guys that makes it smaller. You're going to add more taxes to the people. So I'm going to explain this to you 
But, but before I go into that, I want you to understand that how I do business is not how this other administration does business. We're all different. I am a business consultant. I'm a behavioral scientist. I get hired by large corporations, governments to go in and fix things to make them more efficient, more effective, streamline, more fiscally responsible. We balance budgets, right? We operate, we use lean and Six Sigma methodology, HPI, HPT. That's what I do. <laughs> so as I'm here applying for a job, you as my employers, potential employers, I want you to know my resume. And we'll talk more about that. If you're trafficking in death, aka fentanyl, and I'm not talking about an addict, someone who's lost themselves to addiction, like my nephew who died last year, and they're selling a couple pills just trying to get a fix for themselves. I'm not talking about imposing a class A felony and locking them up, minimum, maximum. No. I'm talking about the big dogs who are trafficking in death, who are running this show. And so that is one of the steps that I want to propose, that we escalate. That'll be a class A felony if you're trafficking in hard narcotics, if you're trafficking in fentanyl. You know, the drug that killed 110,000 people, you know, the drug that 18 to, ages 18 to 45, it's the number one cause of death in Washington State, that drug. That drug, 50% that comes in through the Arizona border, the state I visited a week or so ago with my friend Mark Lamb to get to get eyes on. Yeah, I, I know counter-narco-terrorism because I work that. But I needed to get the most updated. Why? Because I'm bringing solutions with actions. I'm not making things up. I'm doing things that I know needs to be done based off of science, based off of known facts. So let's talk about this, this task force. You know, I've worked with what we call joint interagency task force. And there is. It's, it's literally a Jayat of South, a Jayat of West. I've worked with both. Jayat of South, you know, South Central America, Colombia, that's, that's Jayat of South and Caribbean Pacific area of operation. Jayat of West, worked there. Asia Pacific, because you know Pacific, we have China running precursors, right, for our methamphetamines. We have China running fentanyl. You know that. So familiar, right? My second language, my third language, Spanish, right? So working these things, getting situationally aware so I know what needs to be done so I can do what I need to do when you elect me as your next governor. The task force that I'm talking about, it's not creating a new agency. We have the Washington State Patrol. It's our state police, essentially. The Washington State Patrol already works with the Drug Enforcement Administration, the Drug Enforcement Administration already leads a task force specific to drugs in Washington State. I'm always hesitant of what I will say and not say um, because you, you just, you know, OPSEC, right? And so I'm going to be very cloaked in this, but I'll give you the gist so that you know. And if you want to phone a friend, you can go ahead and, and dig deeper or send me a message, right? They already lead a drug task force. I know that, if that's what some of you may have been thinking. So we don't duplicate effort. That goes against what I do for a living. That's, that's waste, right? This is different. They have a focus. They have a mission. That is federal-controlled mission. Washington State governor is responsible for Washington State and the citizens of Washington State. We have that 10th Amendment thing, states' rights, right? So what I'm saying is I appreciate that. 
I will work with them. We do have state patrol and other right law enforcement officers that work with them. But what I'm proposing is a different approach to where our state patrol leads, leads our own interdiction specifically. While DEA might have a higher level, let them coordinate through us. So from state level, through county, through municipal, we have that continuity of effort, right? So this, this task force can be an add-on to. What I'm going to be proposing, and this will maybe really rock some of your socks off, and maybe not in a positive way, our state patrol is being underutilized. I'm just putting that out there. Underutilized. This is the Washington State Patrol, right? These are some of the highest trained law enforcement officers in the nation. Yeah, greatly understaffed, greatly understaffed. But look at all the other states in our nation, many of them, where they have investigative bureaus, they have intelligence bureaus, state we do not have any kind of state law enforcement authority that delves into other things like they should be doing. We need to look at that. I intend on doing that. I intend on growing our Washington State Patrol capabilities and capacity to protect the citizens of Washington. Now, here's what I want you to take away from this. A, the key phrase to increase their capacity, we need to recruit. I've already explained that. Capacity, we need to expand their capability of expertise, of things that they can do to protect our citizens statewide. They are a state law enforcement agency. If not to protect the citizens of our state, what else is more important than that? Now, one of the first things I'm going to do once I'm elected, day one, I've already said this, state audit of all state programs, all state offices. Do you realize how much money we're going to be saving? Do you know how many programs that are operating right now? I mean, Department of Social and Health Services, do you know how big that department is? Do you know what their budget is? Do you know that this governor has doubled the budget? I'm not blaming Jay Inslee. I'm not here for that. I don't blame. That's a victim behavior. I'm here to bring solutions, right? Do you know that he's doubled the budget since he took office? We're now $70 billion on this, this next budget. Billions. Do you think we can save some money and may reallocate some of those funds to protect our citizens of Washington State? I'm just saying. Please consider that and give me the grace to say that I'm here to protect our citizens. And is it worth to invest in our law enforcement? I say yes. If you disagree that I'm hoping that you would vote for me for some of my other platform positions because protecting citizen safety is something that I'm not willing to compromise on. That, that's just not an option. How I do it, I'm always willing to listen. So there's that, down and dirty. I'm gonna roll over to some of my questions over here. I see some of my friends. Um, I see some folks that are saying uh, SROs are good. That's, this is good. They love them in middle school. I'm gonna make sure I scroll. I did see um, a question from uh, Delmore Elred, a wonderful gentleman. I've been tracking some of this stuff. A wonderful man um, out of Clickitat County. And uh, Delmore asked a question, and, and this is very deep. He said, you know, with the increasing crime that we have, do you think that citizens may start to take things into their own hands? Because we're short law enforcement. And you heard this, per thousand 
citizens, we have approximately 1.12 officers, right? And if you live in rural locations, you're very vulnerable. So what do you do? And with our laws the way they are, people are almost afraid to, to protect and to defend themselves, even if they have the capacity or the capability to do it. Delmar, I mean, that's just a, a realistic uh, conclusion. Um, I will say this, and people are going to judge me, but truth is truth. I am trained, as many of you know, in weaponry. I was a designated marksman, special forces that. My wife does not like weapons. Um, when I came back from overseas, because of what I did, I didn't need to be around weapons, ever, um, for a while, <laughs> right? At least. Um, you can get it, or you get it. But after the trend over the last several years, um, prior to this law, and it just happened to work out that way, we invested in home defense, adding two, um, one little defense weapon that I had in 1911. We added two that, and my wife was 100% on board. And that was because of what we saw, what she saw. The woman was 100% against guns and weapons. And, and not because she's against our, our, our constitutional rights. My, my wife's a patriot. Uh, she's amazing. No, she just, you know, guns for some people, they don't dig them. I get it. So yes, to answer that question, um, and hi to my friend D and Talon and um, Karen and oh, oh, you guys are awesome. So I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, we're talking about Jansley, Bob Ferguson. Um, yeah, our gun law restrictions. We talked about that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, well, I think I've answered that. You know where I'm at on the Second Amendment in Article 1, Section 24 of uh, the Washington State Constitution. Um, yeah, uh, they, they defunded police, right? Um, they, they did. We defunded police. We defunded police in Seattle, Washington. This is what many of their politicians ran on. And that amazing Carmen Best, a role model in the community, I think she does security for Microsoft. I'm not sure she's still doing that. Actually, she may have switched. I'm not sure. I just know a great leader in our community, someone that I, I admire and respect. Um, I'm not sure what Carmen's politics are, and I don't care. <laughs> I admire her and I respect her and she was a great police chief and after the chop and the chaz you know that she resigned she stood up for her officers and uh, the fact that this attorney general again I'm not targeting him I don't call names I don't do that allowed that to happen right that insurrection to happen to which they can roll up a Prius and unload M16s but that same attorney general will take away that same weapon from law-abiding citizens but yet allow an insurrection in an autonomous zone and then to set a fire a police station. I mean, you see, this is the administration that we have. So, you know, it's time for a different mindset. It's time for a mindset of civility, law and order. It's time to protect our citizens. There's nothing political about this. Dr. King said, it's always the right time to do the right thing. And that was my childhood idol. Um, oh, and someone was talking. I just saw poop on the sidewalk. We know what that's about. Homelessness. And I wrote a Solutions with Action on Homelessness. We'll have another podcast on that. Some of you already know what my, um, my policy is on that. And we'll talk about it. Um, the causes of crime increase, wage gap, disparity. Oh, I love this. 
and opportunities creating discord. I love this. Um, Kyle Nichols. Um, uh, do we need more cops or we need more opportunity? Oh, Kyle Nichols. Kyle Nichols just went to my heart. So I wrote something called um, a meritocracy. So I want to pause in this, Kyle. So thank you for that. This is something near and dear to my heart. So let me just break it down. I'm going to give you scientifically. American Psychological Association has done a study. And the study says that gun violence, it's not about guns. It's, the guns are not the cause of gun violence. This is the American Psychological Association. It's social, economic, and psychological. That, 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 those are the things. It starts with social disparities, right? It starts with marginalization of certain groups in certain communities. It starts with those things. Don't get me wrong. Don't lose your minds. I'm not going to throw any trigger words at you. But there's a fact. There's a fact. There's a history we have to take ownership of, right? And you have a welfare system. We talked about that social services system that we pour billions of dollars into. Hear me out in this. And some people might not like that. This is how it works, right? But I'll listen to you always. We have a welfare system that pays people just enough money to stay poor for the rest of their life. We need to bring opportunities, certifications, trades. I'll say trades, 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 jobs. We have so many businesses that are crying out for certified craftsmen and women that we should be bringing programs. It's teach them how to fish. You feed them for a lifetime. It's the same concept with a job or a certification. This is how you break it down. When Martin Luther King, you're like, great, I have a dream speech in August, right? That March on Washington. That theme, if you had a flyer in that, it was jobs and freedom. That's what the march was for. It said it. Jobs and freedom. Remember, he was my idol. I've read everything the man ever written, ever said. And I'm going to finish Dr. King's dream. And I promise you, what you're thinking, what you want for our state, it's the same thing Dr. Martin Luther King wanted. Equality of opportunity, not equity of outcome. This is America, not Russia or China or Venezuela. Equity of opportunity. And that is to let's lift people up out of poverty and despair. Let's bring those programs and lift people up out of there because right now this welfare system it breeds generational poverty. And that's why we have, and that is a direct correlation to crime and despair. And I could talk about, we didn't get into it. I could talk about prison reform. I'm all over it. I want it. I want people coming out of incarceration better than they went into incarceration because that revolving door nonsense needs to stop. I'm a deep thinker, y'all. I'm not for just putting a bandaid on it and letting it happen over and over and over again. I'm just checking the time. We need to start fixing some stuff, and we need a scientific approach to things. We need to start thinking broadly. Kyle, I'm, I'm hoping I touched onto it. Yes, we do have to have law enforcement. We do. For the obvious reason, my friend, that was deep. That was beautiful. I'm with you. I may not have hit it the way you wanted it, but I shared my heart with you so you know, and I'll, I'm always going to be here for you. I've seen questions from Kyle, and what I love about this man is he, he, he hits me straight. <laughs> he doesn't always agree with me, but he hits me straight. And I like it because he always does it respectful. He, that's how you educate people. It's, it's Socrates and Plato. It's called the Socratic method of dialectic engagement. 
where people come to a discussion on a certain discussion point and we respect each other and we engage civilly and we learn from one another, right? And I love this stuff. This is how we're going to fix the world, this kind of stuff, right? Um, oh, I love it. Someone said, if you like what you're seeing, hit the like button. And by the way, please and thank you. Someone said something that was uh, Taylor, and I love this woman. She's she's a friend, um, unconstitutional. Um, Taylor, if there's something that I missed on that, hopefully it was not something I said. I'm sure it was something I was speaking about. What happens when these repeat offenders? Oh, wait a minute. Was I reading your mind before I even saw your question? When these repeat offenders, they have a history of mental health issues. How do you hold someone that oh that needs mental health support accountable? Okay, here we go. Real quick, because I tend to, you know me, you know me. Mental health and addiction, I've written on this. We do not have the infrastructure. I need to work on that. We need to work on that. I've written it in my solution in actions. We have Eastern State Hospital. We have Western States Hospital, approximately 1,250 beds. Western States Hospital got decertified by the federal government because they couldn't meet the health and safety requirements after years of warnings, years of corrective actions not being met. Um, we lost $53 million because of that. Um, yeah. We need to rebuild that infrastructure. So to that point, I, I want to be quick on this, but as I said, I'm a deep thinker, right? The actions of the current administration right now, again, non-judgmental, just, just facts, sarin facts. There's two statutes by which people get institutionalized for mental um, issues. One is civil, one is criminal. The new term that the administration is using for criminal is now forensic, um, forensic. What we're seeing now is a pattern by which those who have been institutionalized in state hospitals are being transferred into nursing homes. Transferred into nursing homes. You may want to look into this. And so state hospitals in Washington states are now being prioritized for forensic institutionalization. What I say to this is simply... I'm concerned on that aforementioned transferred into nursing homes, but mostly we need to focus on building that infrastructure. So to that point that was just made, we have to understand that forensic institutionalization and there's a pattern and there is a correlation between, well, we just said criminal institutionalization. That's what that speaks to, that revolving door. There are circumstances by which a person's incarcerated and we have to distinguish. I mean, again, behavior scientists, does that person need mental health help or do they need to be incarcerated? Sometimes it's a combination. Sometimes it's one or the other, depending on what their condition is, what their psychological state is. I will say as I'm going to move on from this because I love psychology and I will get in the weeds on this. And I've written this down in my Solutions with Actions. We had 410,000 adults last year that didn't get the mental health treatment that they needed because we don't have the infrastructure. We had 50% of, of youth ages 12 to 17 that didn't get the mental health uh, needs met because we don't have the infrastructure, which again, why I want to add to that compact. That's one of the first things I want to do as your new governor. So we can bring in more mental health professionals, right? because we're seeing the success with the nursing compact. Let's streamline that because we, we've discovered some improvement opportunities there. Let's streamline that, but let's also expand that. Mental health professionals, drug addiction treatment professionals, law enforcement professionals, let's open up that license, licensure for universal reciprocity, right? So more to that, more to that. 
Thank you for that question. And I have some a few that were written down that were submitted off of our, our um, website. Someone said recovery and growth. Oh, I love that phrase, Teresa. Thank you for that. Some other folks are, are digging it. They're digging the SRO thing. They're the best. Thank you. And they are the best. Um, we have, we're going to have some yard sign distributions, you guys. I'm checking time. I want to buzz through this. Um, oh, someone says 340 days until semis elected. Thank you, Teresa. God willing. Let's see. Uh, bah, 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 bah. We are nothing if we're not safe. I'm glad you guys are seeing that. And I hope I explained my task force. I'm not, we will not add to government. We're not doing that. I did say, and this is something that's new. I do want to build out the Washington State Patrol. These are fine men and women in law enforcement. These are amazing professionals. Our state police, our state patrol, they need to be able to do more, not just patrol the highways. If you think about this, that is limiting these fine professionals. Um, there's so much I can say to you about that. And I'm willing to have more conversations. If anybody disagrees with anything that I say, anything, let's talk. Like Socrates and Plato, I will learn from you. And if, I, if you bring something compelling, I will readjust. I'll recalibrate. I'm open to that. I, I do think things very well through. Um, but I'm always open to learning. I, I love learning. Um, I don't always have all the answers. That's why I surround myself with people. That's why we're doing this together. Uh, common sense, always. Um, thank you, Spokane. Love you too. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you for your endorsement up there. And so many other counties. We're up to 14 counties. We're, we're hoping that uh, Snohomish will come in for us. We have two legislative districts in, in Snohomish County that came through for us. And uh, I appreciate you so much. Um, Snow we are changing things. I'm going to say this. Much of what I say and how I say it, it's not politically correct. You guys probably figured that out. Um, I am who I am. And uh, real quick, next week, maybe early, because I was going to do it like right after this. I was going to do something over the weekend. Maybe I still will do it, but I want to give it time to get it out there. I'm going to have a podcast on dirty politics and Simi's baggage. I listen to conservative media. Oh, my goodness. They launched on me. I mean, they were throwing grenades. They were firing for effect. They were blowing a brother up. They were coming after me. And it's okay because it's okay. I, it, it doesn't. I'm good. Right? They're not shooting at me literally yet. Um, and I get it. It's politics. They support someone else. I get it. I get it. This is how they do. I wish it wasn't that. I wish we could focus on the issues. I wish we could focus on a candidate's qualifications and not trying to dig dirt and try to ruin lives and hurt families. We're going to talk about that next week. And I'm going to tell you everything. Don't worry. It's nothing too crazy. But I'm like, I don't run from who I am. I'm not ashamed of the man that I turned out to be. It could have been a lot worse. But of the people, by the people, for the people, I'm the people. And we got to get away from this. We got to get back to civility. You already know it. We, we talk about, we, we talk about, oh, I would never run for office. Oh, no, it's not with what I've done. Well, why the heck not? I mean, did you learn from it? How many of you out there have made a mistake in your life? Are you evil? Are, should you never be able to do anything to serve? Are you a bad person? Hey, maybe you did something silly. And maybe now you got a PhD. Maybe now you're a teacher. Maybe now you're a coach. Maybe now you're an engineer. Maybe now you're a police officer. Oh, yeah, we have a lot of stories about police officers. Yeah, right? 
who have gone to jail came out, right? Are those not the best kind of stories? But why do we have people that try to hold people down instead of true? So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be on the other side of that. We're gonna stay positive because all people go negative. That just gives me an opportunity to talk about policies, talks about solutions. And then, yeah, you want to bring up baggage. I'll, I'll, take my, I'll take my luggage out and I'll unpack right in front of you, right? Dirties and all, I'll bring it out. It's all good. So I'm looking forward to that. And yes, I want to be in Port Angeles. Um, we're be, and we're going to be in Port Angeles. And I'm going to be in Forks. And I'm looking forward to that. Clallam County. Clallam County, I'm coming. That's all right. I'm with you. Mason County. My Mason County people. Oh, we got some people. I see East Wenatchee's over here. Okay. I got to stop talking because I love this. I'm having fellowship. Someone asked, um, why was Jim Walsh not at your event last night? Folks, um, nothing nefarious, nothing nefarious at all. Chairman Walsh had something that popped up. Um, he was double booked and give a man grace, give the man grace. He, he was in Washington, DC from what I was told. I don't know what I don't know. All I know is what I was told. And I gave him grace in that and say, that was what it was. And maybe it was something else, but you know what? In the snow, and I'm bringing up the questions that I had. In the snow, we had a wonderful group of people that came to Roslyn last night. Man, the snow was coming down. It was crazy. And then we had people coming up from Yakima and from other towns, and I-82 got shut down. And for you guys, thank you. Thank you for trying to make the, tip, the trip. I know you got turned around. I got a couple messages. I saw it after the event. But thank you, you guys. Um, thank you for your donations. And yeah. We're at 250, 250 something, right? Don't worry about it. The money's gonna come. We're gonna win the we're gonna win the the primary, right? And we're not going anywhere. I'm not getting out. I'm not going anywhere. We're gonna be in the primary, and we're gonna win because we're bringing something different. We're going old school. We're Constitution. We're Martin Luther King Jr. Baby. We're <laughs> we are bringing unity to Washington State. And someone asked me in here, and I and I just remembered. Bear with me. We may go over, and I hope you guys give me a little grace on this. We may go over, and usually I don't. I, I thought I was going to be short today. Someone said, you talk about political aristocracy and wealthy elite. So number one, I'm a capitalist. And I love that, and I love free market, and I would love everyone. I really, truly want to lift people up out of poverty, and I want to facilitate. I want to facilitate people breaking generations of poverty and seeing them become not only the first graduates or maybe the first tradesmen in their family, the first millionaires in their family's history. That's what I'm about. That, that, is, that is legacy making stuff. That is, would be an honor for me to facilitate policy or leadership to make that happen for our citizens. That's how my mind works. That has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with being proud of your state, loving your state, and therefore loving the people who live in your state. It's creating value for everyone. That's it. Um, no prejudices. Love. And I'm not afraid to say it. Just remember, I was a Green Beret. Love is what it's about. But what I say when I say that is, you just know the truth, you guys. Let's just call it for what it is. If you have all that money, some people will say, well, I contribute a lot of money to certain campaigns or certain organizations. And... There are times when I expect maybe something back or I expect access, right? Or I expect you to at least listen to me. Don't read into that. I'm not accusing. And some people would say, well, that's rational. That's real. 
All I'm saying is simply this. Because you have a lot of money or because you're a group of politicians, right, in Olympia, which thank you for your service, and you've all gotten together and you say, well, this guy or this lady, that's our candidate, not this person, right? That's fine. You have that choice. And then you have all that big money that says, yes, we're going to go with this candidate and we're going to present this candidate. And this candidate, you need to step out. You need to take another position. You need to do the right thing. That's not giving the choice to the people. In a constitutional republic, the power to make those decisions is inherent in the people, not the wealthy, not the established politicians or the established systems. It's the people, it's the janitor, it's the teacher, it's the police officer, it's the construction worker, it's, it's the people, it's everybody, not just y'all, it's we all. That's all I'm saying. That's what I mean by that. I want to give it back to the people. I'm corny, I'm old school in that, I'm constitutional. And constitution is everybody. That's why that 13, 14, and 15th, look it up, it's real. Um, I'll go at the bottom. You know, the policies proposed and acted on are our behaviors that indicate that they think they're, this person is saying that people who are making a lot of these policies aren't smart enough um, to know any better. I'll be nicer in this and say this, as a performance consultant that's gone into very large corporations, gone into government agencies, gone into other countries and other governments and consulted, I have met with very senior, big salary, seven figure people they don't know how to lead. Leadership wasn't taught to them. They don't know what they don't know. It doesn't make them bad people. I am unique in that I'm not what I call a one-trick pony. So, yes, I was a federal officer with the National Nuclear Security Administration while serving as the federal director with the Department of Energy. Leading a team, tracking nuclear signature with a weapon of mass destruction mission, perhaps, or contamination scenario. Yes, I worked with law enforcement. Yes, I understand the protocols from local to federal. Yes, I did all that. But my knowledge of law enforcement, local to strategic, that's one area of expertise. I was a former director of training and leadership development. So leader, I've been coaching leaders in corporate organizational improvement, organizational structure, budgeting, audits, assessments, contracts, acquisition, procurement, general contracting, capital investments, structure. Do you see what I'm saying? So in, to answer your question, for such a time as this, here I am, I have a resume. I ask you to consider me for the position as your next governor, and I ask you to consider my knowledge, skills, and abilities and experience to do the job. Not who I am or what I look like or what my name is, but what is my knowledge, skills, and abilities to do the job to, to serve you? Could I serve you better? We've had attorneys. We've had people who special, we've had politicians. Can we go back to the way the country was intended to be? That's all I'm asking. Um, I talked about law enforcement, what I do to support it. Can the devils help those who live in cities uh, with uh, police halting? Um, oh city councils. I'm not going to get involved in, in local politics because I believe in the separation of powers. But I'm going to end this because a lot of this we've talked about. And we're going to come back after my 
dirty politics one. We'll talk about um, homelessness in the following one. And I may mix homelessness with mental health and addiction because I, <laughs> I think we will. We'll do homelessness and mental health and addiction. We'll mix that the same. So we'll do dirty politics on my next podcast and Simi's baggage. I want to unpack my baggage in front of everybody. Bring popcorn. It's going to be juicy. Uh, we had four PDC complaints by a King County um, uh, Republican. And I'll let you know that gentleman's name. Um, not to bust him out or anything like that. Um, it's just to share with him that we're acting on his complaint, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's fun. Transparency, right? I'm here to serve you, Daniel. So um, you have complaints, you could just call us or you can email us, but I understand you represent the other candidate, right? There's a better way to do this. And if you're a supporter of mine, I don't want you taking down signs for anybody. I don't want you filing PDC complaints against anybody. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Because I will say, actions like that I find, and I mean this with respect, disgusting and reprehensible. If you cannot represent someone, if you, winning at all costs, that doesn't show any kind of character in my opinion. And I hope I didn't offend anybody. But don't do it. Not on my behalf. I do not support it. And I will not be nice about it. So if you support me, you will not support any actions like that. I've had two groups of people attack, well, three have filed PDC complaints on me. Miscellaneous stuff. Not like we're stealing money and partying at inappropriate. <laughs> no. They're weaponizing the PDC thinking they can pull me down. So for Mr. Hodum and these other people, you're not pulling me down. I'm going to answer all those questions because I work for you. I owe it to you. And this is public. That's why we mention names because it's, when you file the complaint, it's public, right? People are going to know anyone. I just speak truth. So we'll speak truth. I don't support this. So I'm going to end again. I think Mr. Um, Mr. Reichert's brother, the gentleman, he came on our, our Facebook page and he said, please tell those guys who are taking down our signs. And I assure you, Mr. Reichert, I don't know who would do that. And he asked me to say something and a post it. I'm going to do it better on my podcast. I said it before. I'll say it again. Do not take down other people's signs ever. It's disgusting. It's immature. It's uncivilized. I mean, I don't mean to be insulting. That's probably the meanest I've been on today's podcast. But it's that wrong that I can't even help control what I'm saying. Don't do it. Don't file PDC complaints against someone unless, I mean, it's literally they're breaking the law and it's wrong, right? Don't do that. Um, don't do that. Now, if you're a, <laughs> there's an amazing person who does that for very righteous reasons. For, and I won't even, because this is an amazing man, one of my favorite people in this entire state who does it because he is holding illegal activity accountable. This is not what I'm talking about. That man is an amazing person. I'm not going to say his name. Not this time. Later, I'll praise him in a different discussion because he deserves it. Um, yeah, he's amazing. He knows who I am if he ever watches this show. So, guys, I'm going to end there. I lost my mind for a second. I don't know where I was going. I want to thank you. I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, together, we're going to win this election. I'm telling you, we are. You already know we are. Um, we are going to do better together. We're winning. We're going to win the primary. We're going to talk about delegates. We're going to talk about how we're putting everything together. But things are going good. Keep the faith. When they go low, we go high. We're going to stay high. We're going to focus on issues. We're going to bring solutions. We're going to keep talking. 
if there's a better way for me to do things, let me know. I will listen. But what I want you guys to do is this. I want you to go to Bird for Governor, right? Go to birdforgovernor.com. And if you have something to give, give. Why not invest in a brighter future for Washington State now? Because you know we're going to win this election. We're making history already. <laughs> we're going to make United States history when we win this election in 2024. So invest now. Let's get us set for the holidays. We're going to start upping our engagement. Yes, I'm working five days, six days. We're going to bump it to seven days. That's right. Holidays, my wife's with me. Right? My, my child goes on holiday uh, vacation. Now she gets to go with dad. But we're going out there for the holidays. We're going to have to get a holiday outfit, get a Santa costume or something. But I'm coming out to see you. We're going to be in Port Angeles. We're going to be in Forks. I'm looking forward. Get everybody together, Clallam County, because I'm coming. So get them together. Let's step those buildings. God bless you guys. Thank you. Spread the word. Go to Facebook, right? Semi Bird for Washington State Governor. Spread those posts. And again, let's stay positive. Um, I don't care what conservative media says about me. I mean, it, it's sad because the people who attacked me a few days ago, I actually respect them. Um, it was a little hurtful. Not enough to take me out. I, I know why they're doing it. I, I get it. And, and even the gentleman um, who was supposed to facilitate the debate, um, that didn't happen and probably won't happen. He's a good man, too. He knows the truth. Um, I would hope that he would come out and just tell the other folks what, what truly happened, you know, what's on the text messages so that people stop saying mean things so we can get back to focusing on the solutions. But I will stay focused and I will stay positive. Um, I will never manipulate or pull, I, what is it, what is it, what should say, psyops. I don't do evil, not in American soil. I fought and bled for my country overseas. I don't do that here. I love on our soil because I love America and I love you. God bless you guys. And uh, yeah, let's win this thing.